Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. I'm Anita Kelly, and my guest today is J.C. Morrison. Hey, J.C. Hi, Anita. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Great. Great. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, really. Wow, it's nice to have you here on this cold, snowy day. I don't I have no idea where you are in the world, but... Uh, well. I'm in cold, snowy day, too. Okay. <laughs> I'm in Colorado, so yeah, okay. we've got cold, snowy, yeah. All right, all right. It's uh, cold and snowy all around, folks. <laughs> so, so JC, um, tell us about your most recent release. Um, I think it's called The Found Jar. Is that yes. right? Okay. That's right. And when did it come out? Uh, it came out in December. Um, it was kind of interesting because my third book in the series that I had written before, Guarding Hearts, came out in August. And I always said, you know, if I could get two books out in one year, the world would probably come to an end. <laughs> so I guess you have to blame me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, <laughs> apparently I, I managed that. Uh, yeah. So it came out in December and uh, the title refers to uh, a container that you might have uh, in a in a rental beach home where people could collect things, you know, shells if they were beach coming or theater tickets or matchbooks from restaurants and that kind of thing. And um, in the story, Emily, the main character, is told that the tradition is when you leave, you can only take one thing with you and everything else has to be returned to the sea or recycled in some way. So that's what a found jar is. Okay, great, great. Yeah, I was wondering what that was all about. Um, I haven't read it yet, but uh, uh-huh. it's on my list. Excellent. So um, that is a relatively new release then, um, only been out not even two months. Mm-hmm. That's right. Great. Awesome. Good for you. Um, Thank you. And are you, are you getting any feedback um, from that novel? Yeah, actually, uh, I I hadn't been paying attention, and my our senior editor uh, emailed me to say I was getting some really good reviews, and then I of course started paying attention, and uh, yeah, we've gotten a lot of good response on it. Um, some people are saying things like this wasn't exactly what I expected, but I ended up really enjoying it, and uh, some people have a little trouble with Emily, the main character. Um, she's, she's a little less likable at the beginning, which was an interesting, uh, twist for me to write. Um, and this is my first contemporary romance and also the first time I've written in first person. So that was a bit of a learning curve as well. Okay. I was just talking to, uh, another author about that, how it's, um, it's sometimes difficult to, you know, uh, you you can't go too far, right? Uh, when you're, you your main character um, is, you know, engaging in some behavior that maybe the readers don't like, or she's, you know, just her personality is, and, and how far can you go before you can come back from that? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It is kind of a fine line because, you know, if you're, if that's where you're going with her and you want her to be a little bit unlikable, you know, you have to make that believable. So, so she has to be kind of out there, but then you have to be careful about bringing her back. Yeah. Not too quickly, but you know, of course we know love conquers all. So <laughs> <laughs> everyone likes a happy ending. Exactly. Uh, 
So um, you mentioned uh, one of your books. You have a series uh, called the Love and Courage series. And um, can you tell us about those books and how many are in the series? Sure. Uh, yeah, some people call it the Heart series because heart is in all the titles. I had to come up with the series title before I'd actually titled all the books or any of the books. And uh, so, but Love and Courage are definitely involved. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're all set during World War II in the Women's Army Corps camp in Fort Des Moines, Iowa, which was a real place. Um, I actually did visit there, which was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, I just kind of had to get the feel of it because um, some some things you can make up and some things you want to get as accurate as possible. And knowing, you know, the women who served in that period and, and the important history there, I just wanted to get that right. Um, but I think World War II is a fascinating time um, because the country's united, you know, generally much more so, of course, than today. Mm-hmm. Um, but but many of the the long-held conventions of the time, uh, like the roles of women and the status of minorities, were being challenged then. So it's traditional and it's non-traditional at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So um, how many books are in that series? There are three. Okay. Um, yeah, Basic Training of the Heart is the first one, and then Heart's Orders, and then the last one is Guarding Hearts. Okay. And um, so you mentioned that you went to Iowa to this camp. Is that is uh-huh. it still an active army camp? No, it's not. Uh, most of it is gone. Um, it's it's uh, just a tiny underfunded museum uh, that remains and a few, I think three maybe of the original buildings, uh, including the chapel. Um, and the, the, the man who runs the museum was very kind and let me go in the chapel, which most people don't get to do. Um, and just, uh, it's, it's, there's some people who are collecting, um, artifacts from that period, old uniforms and, uh, medals and things like that. Uh, but it's, it's not, it's not an active base at all. Okay. And so, um, that was part of your research to go out there and, um, what other kind of research did you have to do for, for this? Oh, I, I bought tons of books. <laughs> I think I spent more more in books and travel than I than I've made in the series yet. But uh, but it was like I said, it was important to me to get it right. So uh, I have the original uh, Women's Army Corps handbook. Um, wow, where did you so, find that? Actually, online. Um, amazingly, you know, <laughs> the internet's just yeah. wonderful. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's awful, but sometimes <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, and a, a, a big old handbook that was written about the Women's Army Corps by the woman who was second in command or took command uh, second. Okay. And then uh, I also went to uh, the Pine Ridge uh, Reservation in South Dakota because one of my characters is a Native American, and I wanted to get the sense of what that place was like um, and talk to some people there and have made friends with uh, a gal online who is from that same tribe, of course, current, but uh, so that's, that was important to me too, because that's another group that's certainly been uh, not treated very well uh, by our government or um, any, even in movies and TV. So I didn't want to get too stereotypical about that. I wanted to make sure that she was as accurate as I could make her. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's really nice that that you took all that time and effort to do that. 
um, it's it's important, right, to, to get it, it right. It is. Yeah. yeah, it is important to get it right. And, you know, you don't want to make characters too, uh, again, stereotypical or, or, you know, magical Indian, that kind of person. You know, you want her to be real and to be someone that today's people could look at and say, oh, cool. Yeah, I could see somebody being like that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you when you wrote um, Basic Training of the Heart, that's the first one, right? Mm-hmm. That's did, right. Did you intend to write a series? Um, and and if you didn't intend, like what influenced you to write the series and, and move on from the first one? Well, what happened was I, I just sort of started writing and I probably wrote for two and a half or three years before I kind of stopped and took a break and thought, okay, I need to figure out what I'm really doing here. And at that point, I had, I believe, a little over 700,000 words. Whoa. And so, yeah, so it became obvious when I, I thought, well, I should look online and see how long, you know, a book is supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> and, and when I saw, you know, 120 max, I was like, okay, so I've got a series. <laughs> and, and then I had to go back and figure out where to cut it and, you know, how to introduce the second or third or fourth book to make sure that I kind of sewed them all together in a, in a close enough way. So uh, once I'd cut it apart, I had some friends uh, start beta reading it for me. And um, they convinced me that it really should, you know, I should give it a shot to see if it could be published. Wow, that's fantastic. I can't believe you wrote 700,000 words. <laughs> um, just, you know, on and on. That's amazing. That's great. Um, and it really was uh, and, and any of my editors will tell you I have a tendency to run long. So it's probably not that surprising in a way. But, uh, yeah, it was. It just sort of kept going and going and going. And it was my first experience in writing a, a novel. So I thought I had war and peace on my hands or something. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what interested you in a World War II romance? Now, is it, it's romance, right? Oh yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so what interests you in writing that? Well, I remember um one evening I can't even remember what I started researching, but somehow I went down the little rabbit hole of of being on the internet and I ended up looking at some footage of World War II and the Women's Army Corps. Um and that night I had a very vivid dream and I could, you know, almost see these people you know their faces and their their characteristics uh, you know a whole little group of of women in a in a new squad and what you know and it just kind of went boom in my head and I just started writing from there um my father was in the army and uh, then in the reserves so I have some sense of of military service so I've never served but um I'm an English major but history is my minor so i've always been interested in in looking at the past and and seeing what we can gather from it and certainly world war ii is a good time to look and gather yeah yeah what a good combination english and history oh of course yeah yeah (laughs) you know um my my dad was in world war ii and uh i just uh started going through some of his things that uh he had given me uh before he passed and and one of them is a little 
it's called like a soldier's book of prayers. And it's like a little pocketbook. But inside it was, I discovered my my great uncle carried it in World War One, and then my dad carried it in World War Two. Oh wow! Yeah, it's really oh, cool. Yeah, what a treasure! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty neat. Yeah, my dad was in World War Two as well, um, and he drove one of those boats, a landing craft. Oh is yeah, technically what it's called. And um, when I was going through some of his things when my mom was moving out of their house. I found a manual for that, for that landing craft. Cool. (laughs) Really cool. So, yeah. That is great. Awesome. It's great to have those, those actual physical things. And I think the stories about that time, and certainly the LGBTQ plus community was a part of those stories, even though we may not have much record of it. Yeah. You know, we were there. Yep. Definitely. We were there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, we and we need to own that, you know, and and step up on those shoulders because they're there. Yeah, for sure. You're right about that. Yeah. Um, so, are your characters then based on real people? Um, not really. Um, I I read a lot of um stories, anecdotes from women who served in the in the in the WAC during that period. Okay. I wasn't able to talk to anyone live, which was really sad to me. I don't know if I just waited too long or I wasn't looking in the right place, but I couldn't find anyone so uh, local to talk to. So, um, but I did do a lot of reading. So some of them are kind of composite of those readings that I did. Um, But a lot of them were just out of that dream. You know, the, the, the people that I saw or that I imagined um, and, and their, their qualities and their characteristics just sort of came to me in that, in that way. Okay, Great. And was it hard then? Like, so um, when you, you started out with <laughs> 700,000 words, <laughs> was it hard to keep those characters going and, or, or even to split them up into separate novels? Uh, it wasn't hard for me at the time uh, when I was when I had the whole wad of it together, um, because to me they they just did they just kept going. Um, so that wasn't hard splitting them up and then um, in each in each novel um, when I was uh, publishing when I was allowed to publish them. Um, other than the first one, I had to kind of bring in a second couple or a third couple in the case of the third book um not not to take over the story but to sort of weigh their their part of it mm-hmm. um like introduce to keep, them to, uh-huh, yeah. to keep the romance going and uh, so that it was fun i really liked the characters in the second book um heart's orders and that so it was fun to 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 bring them in and get to know them um, for some reason, the third book was harder for me to write. Um, I'm just, you know, to bring in another uh, set of characters and and bring them in, maybe because it's a little bit, a little bit darker uh, story in a way. Mm. So um, maybe maybe that's what it was. But no, they just they just kept going. I mean, I could 
easily publish three or four more of these, but we're, we're going to take a little break and see what else we can come up with. So are the um, the characters in the, the first two, do they carry over then into the third? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They'll always be there. They've got to be there. So are you saying you have enough material then for like a fourth and fifth in the series? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, easily. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's well, great. it is. It yeah. is. But but going back and rewrite, you know, at this point, when you make one change in a series and then it, you know, you have to domino it down to make sure that it carries through in the same way that you've now made this change. Yeah. So rewriting is not my favorite thing to uh-huh. go back and fix that sort of thing. But yeah, someday. Yeah, yeah it is kind of. Yeah. It is kind of. It's not you don't feel particularly creative when you're doing it. It's more like you know, administrative work. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with administrative work, but no. just, you know, the routine of it. Yep. Yep. It's just my, I'm not wired that way. Yeah. So, so me neither. What, what was the most difficult thing then about writing a series? Um, I think keeping up with um, who was where and, you know, who said what to whom at certain times, um, especially when you get so far down the line. Um, you, you almost have to go back and reread it yourself to remember, you know, what you said and what you did in, with this character or that character. Um, sometimes even as simple things as where they're from or, you know, what color their hair is. If you get too far away from them, you kind of forget those details. So since this was my first foray into writing, um, I was I had not been particularly good about keeping up with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people do. Uh, character journals or uh, that kind of thing. And I've certainly learned my lesson from not doing one. So that that was probably the hardest thing. Okay. And did you find, um, I, I do a little beta reading and I've, I've noticed that mm-hmm. sometimes um, uh, writers will change the name or they'll forget that they named this character, you know, I don't know. Harriet and and later mm-hmm. on they call her you know Moses or something you know um, <laughs> yeah yeah Did, was that hard to to keep going throughout like 700,000 pages <laughs> it, it wasn't hard when I was in the writing process of those 700,000 words because I was just going you know uh-huh. it was it was all there and present okay later yeah it was harder to remember that luckily I have I had a couple of really good beta readers who would watch for that kind of thing. They were, you know, one of them was, was in the, actually she was in the air force, so not in the army, but at least she had some military background. So she could check me on those things. And then the other one is very linear. And she literally, I think made out a calendar and would say, okay, you said it was a week, but then here it's like three, three days later. So which is it? You know, uh-huh. <laughs> which, was very useful. Very oh, useful. Yeah, that's great to have someone like that on your team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so when did you start writing? Um, and when did like when and how did you decide? Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna publish this or I'm gonna submit this manuscript for publication. Uh huh. Um, well, I started life as an English teacher, so I've always been a fan of the written word. I had, of course, the typical tortured high school poetry that I think a lot of people <laughs> write, <laughs> but I'd, I'd switched to teaching computer classes 
uh, toward the end of my career. So, so I missed it. Uh, I didn't miss grading all those term papers, but I did yeah. miss, you know, reading and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I think it was around 2011. I was looking online to see if the Indigo Girls were touring. I just was in the mood to go see a concert and see where they might be. But on their website was this ad. Do you want to be a rock star? Come to Ladies Rock Camp. And I just, something made me go, heck yeah, I want to be a rock star. So I enrolled in this camp. I drove to Atlanta where it was held. I didn't, never been to Atlanta before. Um, I walked in on the first day. I didn't know soul. And in an hour, I knew I'd found a new tribe, <laughs> you know, okay. and the event, oh my gosh, the women, just the whole experience was just phenomenal. Um, and it, it was like that little creativity box in my head just burst open. And this event was in February and that summer, early that summer was when I started writing. That's fabulous. Oh, listen, if you ever want to have the time of your life, they have these ladies rock camps all over the United States, actually all over the world. Um, so if you just want to have an amazing time, I just can't recommend it enough. Wow. I've never even if. I've never heard of that. Even if you don't play an instrument, uh -huh. they'll teach you. Uh, you kind of organically form into a band with some other people. And it might be four people. It might be five people. It might be six people in your band. It just depends on how many people are there. And in the course of a weekend, you write an original song. You take classes in songwriting and singing and your instrument class, and then you have your band practices and so on. And you write an original song, and the last night of the camp, you perform it before screaming fans. And it's pretty darn wonderful. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to go. If you if you have the slightest inkling of, of interest, you, it's great. It's just wonderful. And it, and it it's like it just gives you permission, and it gives you empowerment to do something you didn't think you could do. Yeah. I'm going to have to and check that out. I, uh, you definitely should. Yeah. I used to play some instruments as, as a kid and then I stopped. And uh -huh. uh, one of my goals for the pandemic was to learn how to play the guitar, but I haven't yet. So, Oh yeah. See, now I used to play the guitar in Girl Scouts and had kind of put it aside, you know, life, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And in this, in this, uh, at this camp, I picked it back up and it was kind of like, yeah, I can do this. So, That's... yeah, we should jam. Yeah. You, you, you get your guitar, we'll jam. All Absolutely. Right. That's awesome. That is yeah. really, that sounds like a really fun time. I'll have it, to, it is. I'll have it's... to check it out. Yeah, it's a really fun time. But anyway, so so I've been writing. I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book. You know, it just went on and on, obviously, 700,000 words. Mm -hmm. And I think it was around 2014, uh, a dear friend, one of my beta readers, uh, had called to say that the re uh, Romance Writers of America was having a convention in Dallas. And they had a thing where you could sign up to meet editors and bold strokes books was one of the groups that, that was there mm -hmm. so i kind of hemmed and hawed but she talked me into it so i went and uh signed up for uh was at the table to sign up for a time and this woman comes over and says uh you know 
Uh, Radcliffe wants to know if anybody's signing up for her slot because otherwise she's going to go on. And I look over and of course I'd read her and I look over and, oh shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <Yeah>. Oh no. <laughs> so uh, Not too intimidating, I, right? Yeah, no, nothing like that. Of course, later I find out that the woman who was asking was Sandy Lowe, who is the uh-huh. senior editor there. And uh, so I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm signing up. I'm signing. So they go on in and they're getting all set up and I'm standing outside with a bunch of other folks who are going to go beat their, their editors from different publishers. And one of, one of the people standing there says, okay, we're all going to have a great pitch. And then and I'm like, pitch. I thought this was a meet and greet. What are you talking pitch? <laughs> no <laughs> so way. I was literally, yeah. I was literally supposed to have like, you know, I think we had 15 minutes with them. So I was supposed to have like this five minute pitch and somehow I'd missed all these details in the sign up. Um, oh so, my God, that's awesome. Oh gosh, they were so nice. And I was just, I could barely form a sentence. You know, I <laughs> sit down, hi, hi. Uh, <clears throat> um, so I wrote this book and they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 and finally, you know, we kind of got going and the bell rang for the 15 minute period being up. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, do I need to go? And they kind of looked at each other. And they went, no, go ahead. You can talk. Some more. So uh, they just let me go on. And at one point, Rad's making a drawing about how your, you know, your plot should go like this and your character should go like that. And, you know. She was really close to asking her if she would just sign that and give it to me. <laughs> but, but I just you couldn't should've. quite be that. I should, I regret to this day that I didn't, but I couldn't be that dorky. I, ah. <laughs> I was already doing such a horrible, horrible pitch. I mean, this had to be the worst pitch in the history of pitches. But anyway. I doubt um, that. I don't know. It was, I was so unprepared. And, you know, anyway, finally, um, Red looked at Sandy and she said, what do you think? You want to read this book? And she said, yeah, I'd read that book. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like I would try to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, Great. they said, yeah, go ahead and submit it. And they gave me a card. Tell me how to go about it and where to look. And I did. And there you go. Sweet. Yeah. That's, fan- <laughs> that's fantastic. It, re- it really was a surprise to me <laughs> when I, when I uh, got the email that said, uh, you know, we are pleased to inform you that we are accepting your membership for or your manuscript for publication. I was by myself uh, here in Colorado, and I was just jumping up and down and <laughs> screaming, and the dogs looking at me like, "What is it? A rabbit? What are we doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so, great. yeah. Oh, wow, that's a it's, great story. Well, every word is true. I guarantee you. You could probably ask them today, what's the worst pitch you've ever heard? They would say, J.C. Morris. No, I'm sure not. You know, you uh, they accepted it. So it must have been not, it must not have been that bad. I think they were just super patient. Oh, that's <laughs> and great. maybe just so happy that someone signed up for that time. <laughs> uh, so you saved them. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think they could have found something else to do, yeah. yeah. So how long on average then does it take you to write a book? Like you wrote um, The Found Jar um, as a single story, right? Mm-hmm, yes. And and how many words is that? <laughs> well, <laughs> when I submitted it, it was about 120, but I think oh, on wow. publication it was probably about 110. Wow, okay. 
Yeah, I do. I do tend to run long. You, you know, I'm not. I'm. You can probably tell as I babble on. Who's your editor? But, uh, uh, my editor on the founder was Barbara Ann Wright. Okay, all right. Yeah, she is super fun to work with. Oh my gosh, um, I get my first pass, you know, back from her, and she's talking about one of the characters, and it seems to me that she did this, and she should do that, and she could have done this, maybe this, and she writes this whole paragraph, and then the very last sentence is. But I could just be making this shit up. <laughs> I laugh so hard. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's it's yeah. nice to have an editor that you trust and you enjoy working with. Yes, it, it is. Um, Ruth Sternglance did my uh, all of the series uh, with me, and she's amazing. I mean, talk about somebody who could make you a better writer in two or three paragraphs, you know, but since I was changing genres, I thought, well, let me, let me try this. And Barbara and I had talked and, um, we, we thought, let's try working together just to see how it goes. And it was great. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad yeah. that worked out. So yeah. how long did it take you to, to write the found jar? Actually, the found jar went, went really quickly. Usually it takes me like eh, a year and a couple of months. I just, I don't know. I write slowly in a sense. Um, not when I'm writing, but I tend to go back and edit myself a lot. So I might spend, you know, way more time doing that than actually writing sometimes. It oh. just seems to take a while, but the found jar came out really quickly. I'm not sure why, but it just got, maybe I, because I didn't have to do as much research, maybe. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I did take a trip to uh, the Outer Banks where the story is set. Uh-huh. Uh, North, North Carolina. I did, I did manage to get that in. The perks of the job, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that was right. Uh, well, it was Thanksgiving before the pandemic hit then okay. the next uh, early um in the next year or so yeah. yeah that was that yeah that was a you know just a real hardship but we managed and, yeah <laughs> great so um uh do you think right that someone could be a writer if they don't really um feel emotions in a, in a really strong manner um how important is that do you think in in writing that's a really interesting question um, I, I think someone who doesn't feel emotions strongly would certainly not be a romance writer, <laughs> uh, <laughs> at least not a traditional one. Um, I, I can see that kind of person maybe doing nonfiction yeah. or, you know, or maybe creating a sci-fi world inhabited by people who don't have strong emotions. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> maybe yeah. they'll just Spock-like. create a world that. That matches them. Yeah, exactly. But I, I would think they'd want at least one emotional character in there to, you know, make it interesting to, to be the foil of nothing else. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think that kind of person could write, but I just don't see them writing romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, romance is like the, the top selling genre like for the last, I don't know how many years, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. But it's fun that there are so many different kinds of romance out there, you know, and so many different tropes that people can can use and, and follow. And that's that's always fun to me to see, okay, who are these people going to be? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really interesting, you know, um, like the little like niches that people find, you know, mm-hmm. within the romance world. Um, 
And I, I like, uh, I don't know what this says about me, but I do like writing villains, you know, so-called villains, um, the, the, uh, the more negative characters. And um, I think all of my characters are flawed in some way. And to me, that makes them more interesting and more fun to write. It makes them human. Yes, that's probably what's interesting and fun to write is the human part. Yeah, right. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And that's what people like to read, you know. Um, they want to know or, or they can probably identify, right, with someone who mm -hmm. is, um, you know, flawed and, and not perfect and, you know, um, because they're more like them. Right. And to see how they go through their struggles and how they hopefully end up happy. Um, I think can be real encouraging, especially in these times. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what is one thing that you would give up to become a better writer? If anything. Mm. Mm. Well, probably like most people, I've done a little more television binging than normal <laughs> <laughs> during, during the pandemic. Really, I, I used to just mostly watch movies and occasionally sports. Uh, but I've begun getting into series and that's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. because then you're just, yeah, into that. Um, I probably should give up, um, oh, you know, my little computer game, uh, you know, Angry Birds or Candy Crush or some other horrible thing where people, you know, come after you with guns and you have to run or whatever. But yeah, <laughs> I should probably give that up. <laughs> but yeah, television has definitely, uh, my television watching has definitely increased. Yeah. So I should, I should probably, and mostly in the evenings, I don't watch TV during the day, but, you know, take a break for dinner and then I should probably go back to writing instead of finishing, you know, the Queen's Gambit or whatever <laughs> it is I'm watching now. <laughs> so are you retired from your day job then? I am. Okay. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, I uh, was able to retire a few years ago, and um, that's when I moved from Dallas uh, up here to Colorado, and um, it's it's a gorgeous place to be. Good for you. That's great. Yeah. So you have yeah. lots of time to write now. I do. I do. And I don't know why I don't write more. Um, I mean, I do have, I, you know, I had more of a routine, again, before the pandemic, yeah. it seems like that's sort of thrown everybody off stride to some extent. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm just grateful. Yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful that I'm still able to write because I know people who are really blocked and yeah. just couldn't bring themselves to make up stories anymore, or at least not right now. Yeah, yeah. I read something um, just yesterday. I was telling my wife, it, it says something about... Um, you know, even though maybe you haven't lost your job or lost, you know, a lot during the pandemic, um, it's still okay to feel depressed and mm. just not feel yourself because it's not a normal time, you know. It's really not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no matter what, you know, folks have going on, they're still they're still living through a pandemic, right? Absolutely. Yes. And none of us have any experience with doing that. No. Nope. You know, we've we've not had this level of of you know worldwide issue with, and then of course all the 
upheaval in the in the country about you know yeah. do you wear the mask do you not wear the mask you know, why don't you what's the matter you know yeah. that kind of thing so that's i think that's almost as hard as 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 the disease itself is seeing all this division and uproar yeah. with our with our neighbors yeah. you know with our friends in some cases family yeah yeah no it's true it's true yeah so that's definitely. that's hard to get through yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's uh kind of like the civil war you know it's uh is- issues that divided families and friends you know um, absolutely yes so um so are you uh currently working on anything oh yes thankfully <laughs> since i've been able to yeah since i have been able to keep writing yeah yeah i actually have three books right now that are sort of in various stages of work wow um, yeah, one of them I started during um, Nano, you know, the National uh-huh. Novel Writing Month, um, like three years ago. I didn't officially do it; I just sort of played along, you know, yeah. play along at home. Um, and that one is really more of a Texas book for me. Um, it's a little more erotica. Um, starts with the main character in her early adolescence and takes her into adulthood and um, her dad is a mechanic and she's hung around the shop a lot. She always just thinks, you know, that's, that's what he does. That's what he is. And mm-hmm. when he passes away, she finds that he's left her a great deal of money, but she really doesn't know what to do with it. She doesn't know what to do with herself. So she has a custom made rig, uh, 18 wheeler made. Um, part of it is RV and she lives in it. And then a smaller part of it is for hauling, um, freight cargo. Um, but because it's a small, uh, container, uh, she can only do like maybe sets for a small band or some custom furniture or somebody's treasured car that they want taken care of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So she has a little niche for that. And uh, so, you know, she's that's the character and that's about her life. Um, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. The one I'm hoping will be my next release. Um, the working title out on that one is The Perfect Fifth. Okay. It's about a piano player who falls in with an established group of four friends. And so she becomes the perfect fifth. Hmm. Um, a perfect fifth is also an interval of notes. Mm-hmm. That's considered the most pleasing other than unison in Western music. Um, if you think of the twinkle, twinkle, little star mm-hmm. be- between the first and the second twinkle is a perfect fifth. Cool. Wow. Yeah. That's so, uh, yeah. Plus that will be my fifth book. So I'm hoping it's perfect. <laughs> I'm sure. It will and then, be. Oh, thank you. The other one that I'm kind of, working on is uh, it also has a musical background um so i probably won't release it and the perfect fifth close to each other um you know would need something in between um but it's about a backup singer who gets a big break to move into the spotlight and i thought this would be a really easy book to write because if i could do anything other than writing i would be a backup singer assuming i had talent (laughs) (laughs) so i thought i would write that one first but somehow I got stuck mm-hmm. and, you know, just kind of hit a wall for no particular reason. Just, you know, she's having dinner with the person that she's going to be singing with and somehow 
dinner wasn't going well. <laughs> just kind of had to stop. Hmm. So maybe it's too close to home. Maybe, or too close to want, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's when I started writing The Perfect Fifth. So it's kind of a race between them right now. We'll, we'll just see who gets finished first. But I'm just calling that one the backup. Okay. But I don't really, that may not be the title. Okay. Wow. So uh, you're busy for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 So Try to be. Do you have time to read? Oh, I love to read. I mean. What do you like oh, to read? Oh, yes. You know, anything well written. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would read the back of a cereal box if it was well written. <laughs> I like I like mysteries and suspense. Um, nothing super gory. Uh, if I were a more linear person, I would like to write uh, a mystery, a whodunit type of thing. But I think because I'm such a pantser, you know, just mm-hmm. riding by the seat of my pants. Uh, I think you're supposed to know who done it before you, you know, get going too far. And mm. I would probably not know until the last page and then you know, I'd have to go back and rewrite too much. So I may not get to that, but I like non-traditional romance, you know, not too obvious um, or characters that are different. Um, and I love historical, um, even nonfiction. Um, Timothy Egan, I think it is. Um wrote like the worst hard time about the Dust Bowl and mm-hmm. part of that takes place in, in Texas, a uh, town I've driven through many times on my way between Dallas and Colorado. Okay. Um, and he also wrote The Big Burn, okay. uh, which is about a huge forest fire uh, up in the Montana area. And um, at that point, uh, Teddy Roosevelt had moved out of office and they were trying to kind of undo some of his national park things that he started. Uh. And this huge fire kind of showed them, oh, we actually do need a forest service, don't we? Hmm. So that kind of thing is really interesting to me. And I claim longtime membership on the Margaret Atwood bandwagon. Ah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I got got to hear her speak at the Dallas Arts and Letters program several years ago. And she was fantastic. Really? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, yes. This woman got up to introduce her, who was with the uh, University of Texas at Arlington, and she was very articulate, very well spoken. And I and I'm looking there at Margaret Atwood, this kind of little old lady sitting over there, and I'm like, oh man, I hope she's up to it. And you know, in five minutes, you knew or less, you knew this is probably the smartest person in the room. Wow, that's absolutely, she awesome. was she was terrific. Yeah, yeah. so wow. that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was good. I miss that about the big city. Uh, yeah. Those kind of, of course, nobody's having those right now anyway. But. Yeah, yeah. Yeah that's, yeah. that's how I felt. I went to uh, a college in New Jersey um, mm-hmm. several years back uh, to see Maya Angelou. And uh, mm. I, that's how I felt about her. Like she is just, mm-hmm. she's just brilliant and so spiritual and just, you know, uh, it was an experience, you know. Oh, absolutely. I had the honor of seeing her as well uh, at a black tie uh, uh, HRC event in Dallas. It was the first year I went, and the only reason I went was to see her. And, you know, whatever I paid for the tickets, I can't even remember, but it was so worth it because she was just amazing. Yep. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. So, but we have, we certainly have a new poet who's blowing everybody's socks off, don't we? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> oh, and man. So young, 
to be yes. so talented and so profound. Yes. And, you know, I thought Lady Gaga's version of the Star Spangled Aww. Banner was going to be the highlight. And then yeah. Andrea got up to speak and it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. I just need to sit down. <laughs> yeah. 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 But Gaga did rock that. <laughs> she did. Yeah. When she sang that line about our flag was still there. Yeah. She was telling the story yeah. of not only of that song, but of us right now. Yeah. For sure, definitely. And, and if you could tell a story and song like that, hey, I'll buy your albums. <laughs> yep, yep, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. So, well, JC, that is about all the time we have for today. Um, but thank you so much for being with us, and um, for our listeners out there, check out the Found Jar, which just came out this past December, and also check out the Heart series. Um, which is available through Bold Stroke Books, right? Absolutely. Well, we call it the Heart Series, but technically it's called the Love and Courage Series, but all available through Bold Strokes Books, yes. And thank you for having me, Anita. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's nice talking to you. Good talking to you. And anytime, anytime you want to come back, let me know. You bet. All Just, right. I'll call you for the perfect fifth or all right. whatever comes out next. <laughs> all right. That sounds great. We'll be waiting. All right. So thank you so much. Yeah. So uh, I'm Anita Kelly and thanks for joining Liz. Talk about books, baby. So until next time, may your journey be lighthearted and peace be plenty and stay safe, folks.